We read from Holy Scripture this evening from Ephesians 5 again. We're going to again read the first 20 verses of Ephesians 5. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks, For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now what follows is our text. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light." That will be the end of our text, but we continue reading. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The heart of the text that we consider tonight is verses, verse 8 and verse 11. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. And then verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather reprove them. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul here makes an amazing claim about the church at Ephesus to whom he writes. For he calls them children of light. That's an amazing claim because the Apostle also knows full well that the members at the church of Ephesus remain sinners, just like himself. Sinners about whom the Apostle speaks in Romans 7. The good that I would, I do not, and the evil that I would not, that I do. And yet, he calls them children of light. Of course, that follows, and follows very naturally, theologically naturally, of course, 
from the fact that earlier he called them dear children of God. Being children of God, one is also therefore a child of light. For God is light, and in him is no darkness whatsoever. So that if God has children, then those children will also be children of light. But notice the apostle is not afraid to say that, like many preachers today are. Many preachers today will stand in front of their congregations, even congregations that confess to be Christians, and fear calling them children of light. Perhaps they fear because they will think then that the children to whom they speak, the people to whom they preach, will become proud. Perhaps they do not do this because they doubt yet whether they are children of light. Regardless of the reason, this is not done. Or when it's done, it's viewed as dangerous. That it will lead to antinomianism or careless living. That's not the Apostle's way of looking at things. He sees us, he sees the church and the members of the church as light, children of the light. Now, that description is also amazing because it speaks about our origins or source. And it also speaks something about the power and ability or works of the children of God. Children come from a source. They have a father. They have an origin. And therefore, to call us children of light brings us to consider our origins. The idea is not that we become children and then at another time and totally disconnected with being children, we are given light or manifest light, but the idea is that we are children of light by virtue of having a father who is light. So it speaks about our origins and source. Our origin and our source is light. Not darkness, but light. And that stands over against being a child of darkness. We are children of light who were, as the Apostle says, sometimes, a while ago, previously in our past, children of the darkness. That refers to being natural children of our father, Adam. By virtue of being children of Adam, we are children of darkness. We are born in the darkness. We bear the darkness. We behave according to the darkness. But now we are children of light. That description speaks, therefore, not only to our origins, but to our behavior, our ability, our power. You see, you cannot have light that does not shine. There is no such thing. To have light or to be light is to shine. Is to shine in the darkness, to dispel the darkness. Darkness and light cannot coexist. Light manifests what is darkness. It shows what is dark. And then it shines in the darkness. And so also it's speaking about us from that perspective too. That as children of light, we walk as light, we speak as light, we behave as light. And therefore also we have something to do with regard to the darkness. So consider with me this evening this passage from the Word of God, walking as children of light. Walking as children of light. And we notice in the first place to walk as children of light in our fellowship. Walking as children of light has to do with fellowship and walking in our fellowship. Secondly, by our speech, by what we say, we walk as children of light, not just simply with our feet in our hands, but 
by our speech. And then lastly, notice that we walk as children of light to the glory of God. First, walking as children of light in our fellowship. I hope that you see that underlying this passage and in fact being taught by this passage are two important theological concepts. Concepts that are real and the reality of them is explained by this text. And those two concepts are in the first place one that is mentioned explicitly fellowship and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Fellowship you know to be friendship and that word fellowship is a word that we associate very closely with the covenant. We define the covenant of grace in terms of fellowship. We do not define it as a contract. We define it as a relationship of friendship and fellowship with God. So that word ought to be striking to us. This word, this concept is related to the covenant. It's related to who we are as the people of God in the covenant of God. And that fellowship has to do with walk of life, has to do with speech. And that's the idea of the other words that are mentioned where it talks about speaking, that we must reprove, we must say something. You speak and you say something when you're in a relationship. You speak and you say something because you're in a relationship. You speak and say things to others. So it's related to that concept of fellowship. That's the idea too when he talks about being partakers with them. Underlying that phrase, being partakers with them, is the idea of fellowship. You are partakers with them when you fellowship with them. When they are your friend, when you are friends with them, you become partakers with them. And so also that word walking. Walk as children of light. Walking is what friends do. The idea here is of walking as children of light isn't simply that you walk alone by yourself, isolated as an individual, although we certainly do that. We walk alone sometime. But the idea is that this has to do with fellowship. It has to do with, with whom you walk and around whom you walk. Who are you walking with? In fellowship. So that's the first great concept that is underlying and even taught and explained further in this passage. The second is one that is not mentioned explicitly, but we know it by the term the antithesis. The antithesis. The word antithesis simply means the difference between two things. It's the difference between what's black and what's white. It's the difference that's being explained between darkness and light. The difference between children of darkness and children of light. We define the antithesis as the spiritual difference and separation even of the children of darkness from the children of light. So this passage is teaching the truth of the antithesis. It's a truth that's not known very much today. I'm afraid it's not because of ignorance. It's rebellious. It's because the church today doesn't want anything to do with the antithesis. It doesn't want anything to do with the antithesis because it wants nothing to do really with passages such as this that are taught here. But if you doubt that the antithesis is a real truth taught in the Word of God, then you need look no further than really here. 
And keep in mind that in this passage, too, with regards to the antithesis, there's really two aspects to it. One is the antithesis exists with or without you. The antithesis is simply there. It is of God's doing. You are either a child of darkness or a child of light. And you are naturally a child of darkness, and God must make you a child of light, as is described earlier in the book. When there is light, it simply stands over against and is antithetical to darkness. It just, that's the way it is. When you flip on the light, the darkness disappears. And if you turn off the light, the darkness reappears. So, in a very real sense, the antithesis is there whether you recognize it or not. The significance of that is if you deny the antithesis or reject the antithesis, then you ignore something very fundamental, something fundamental that God has made a very part of the fabric, not only of the universe, but of our salvation. You can be certain where the antithesis is ignored and not taught, soon the church will be just like the children of darkness. There will be no light there anymore. On the other hand, the antithesis is something that we are called to engage in very actively. When the apostle says, walk as children of light, and therefore, for example, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, he's calling us to live antithetically. To live according to what we are, according to what God has made us. God has made us children of light, and therefore walk as children of light. The Bible does not teach this. You are children of light, therefore do nothing. Uh, therefore, just, well, ignore that truth. We are not light bulbs. We are not even like the sun that shines in the heavens. God makes us children of light, that is, human beings. Human beings with a rational, moral soul and a will and a heart, and therefore calls us to live antithetically. So those are the two great concepts that are underlying the main exhortation of the passage to walk as children of light and now to do that in this particular way. In the first place, to walk as children of light by having no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Notice, have no fellowship with the unfruitful Fruitful works of darkness is explaining what it means to walk as a child of God, a child of light. In other words, if someone claims to be a child of God and claims to be child of light, but has fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, well, that doesn't not only follow, but that's really impossible. Underlying this very passage is that this is what it means to walk as a child of light. Now, I suppose it's true, and one could claim to be a child of light, but they're really not walking as a child of light. But regardless, the idea still is that one is walking with that light extinguished. That light is not seen. And that partly explains the exhortation itself. Perhaps you noticed, perhaps you even wondered at it, but did you notice something about that exhortation? It doesn't say, have no fellowship with the children of darkness. That's not what it says. It does not say, walk as children of light by having no fellowship with the children of darkness. Now, it could say that. That's certainly true. That's certainly what the Bible teaches in many, many places. That part of the antithesis is that we do not walk with that is, we do not fellowship with. We do not consider our friends to be the children of darkness. 
And that's really impossible. That's really impossible. If you find someone, at least who claims to be a child of the light, walking and having fellowship with someone who's a child of the darkness, you will discover that the child of light will have extinguished the darkness or hid the darkness or there is no real light there whatsoever. But someone says, how can the child of darkness become light unless we fellowship with them? Ah, that's not fellowship. That's witnessing. That's preaching the gospel. That's teaching. That's not the same thing. Don't confuse the two. One may not deny the antithesis nor spirit with a falsehood by saying, well, when you teach the antithesis, you're saying that we can't even talk to the people of the world, talk to the children of disobedience and darkness. That's not true. That's not true at all. There's a vast difference between that and fellowship. Fellowship is friendship. In fact, at the heart of the text is the idea that fellowship is to consider someone or something good and right and true. And that's really why the apostle says what he says. Not have no fellowship with the children of darkness, but have no fellowship with their works. With their works. You see, from a certain viewpoint, the apostle assumes, well, of course, the children of light aren't going to be having fellowship with the children of darkness. And the apostle would assume that because, well, he believes in the teachings of the Holy Scripture. He is inspired, and he has heeded what God officially says about the ungodly. Notice that in this passage is God's official declaration of what anyone who is not a member of the church is. They are children of darkness. What the apostle means by that is that there's no light in them. You see, if there were a light, even a little spark of light, they would no longer be children of darkness. It's amazing how far off you can see just a little tiny spark of light in the darkness. And by that, he means morally corrupt. That there is no light of God's goodness. There is no light of God's truth. There is no light of God's righteousness. That's demonstrated when the apostle explains exactly what he means by children of light and children of darkness or fruits of light and fruits of darkness. That's found in that little parenthetical statement that we read. You'll notice that there was a little parenthetical statement. Walk as children of light, parentheses, proving. And then in the parentheses, he explains what the light is. When he says, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. There, you may simply see that as an equal signs to what it means to be light. To be light is to have God's goodness. To have light is to have God's righteousness. To have light is to have God's truth. Because that's what they are in God. When we say God is light, we're referring to the light of God's goodness. That all of God's goodness is light. We're referring to the righteousness of God. We're referring to the truth of God. And therefore, a child of God has those things. They have the Spirit. They are born again by the Spirit. And then there's fruits of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit in them is truth, righteousness, and that is light. God's light. Now what the Apostle says is, regarding all others, they're children of darkness. I mention that because... Going along with the denial of the antithesis and the destruction of the church today by many, it begins here. The doctrine of the antithesis, the truth of the Word of God regarding the spiritual separation and difference between His children and the children of the world is 
What does God say about them, and do you believe it? Where churches have become worldly, where churches can hardly be distinguished from any institutions of men, you will find that that process began by saying, well, okay, we're children of light, but there's a little light in them too. I know they're wicked. I know they don't know Jesus Christ. I know they don't believe in God, but there's a little light there. Look at all the good things they do. Why there's people out there that give millions of dollars to things and 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 look at all the scientific achievements and and look at all the culture look at all the art and the sculpture why that's light God's word says no it's not call it whatever you will but it's not the light of God's truth it's not the light of God's righteousness it's not the light of God's goodness it's not a fruit of the spirit Change that, deny that, and you have really no antithesis anymore in principle. And it's all right here as plainly as it can be said. If you ask what walking as a child of darkness looks like, what those works look like, then they are described. Notice that he, when he talks about works, having no fellowship with their works, the apostle here isn't saying anything new or that unusual. That needs to be pointed out also before we move on. You see, there's a bunch of different ways to walk as children of darkness or not walk as children of light. And part of it has to do with whom you walk. And then the other has to do with what you walk. That is the people, and then there's their works. And the Bible condemns both. God condemns not only sin, but sinners. And God subsumes under the word darkness, not only dark people, children of darkness, but their works. <clears throat> That's why we have an exhortations, for example, like this. In Exodus 20. 3 verse 24 Israel is told not to do after their works don't act like them don't behave like them don't serve their gods don't live according to the wickedness that they live in or Psalm 101 verse 3 the psalmist vows to set no wicked thing before his eyes of course, we, we know that, right? One need not engage in the physical act of fornication with another woman to commit adultery. It is enough simply to set it before his eyes. That's why the psalmist says what he says. And to prove the point, he adds, because I hate the work of them that turn aside. I hate their work. Or 1 John 2, verse 15, notice, love not the world. Now he's talking there about the people of the world. But notice he also adds, neither the things that are in the world. And if you want to know what those things are, included in them is the very thing that the apostle subsumes under the name the works of darkness. Now what are they? Well, basically what we had just read in verses 3 and 4. Those things that we said were part of walking as followers of God, walking as dear children. And we took note, well, if you want to know what that means, negatively, it's written there in verses 3 and 4. And you'll notice that verses, verse 3 is talking about works of the body and the mind. Fornication, that is sexual in, impurity. Uncleanness, that is moral, uh, moral filth and or covetousness. Greed, which he says is idolatry. Making one's belly, their stomach, their God. Verse 18, he even mentions drunkenness and the excess that follows. But in verse 4, he talks also of 
the kind of things that belong to the tongue, the filthiness in speech, the foolish talk, the jesting, that's filled with sexual innuendo and the jokes. All those things are what he later on in our section now calls the unfruitful works of darkness. Those things. Now, what's he saying? Well, he's teaching in the first place that you can expect all their works to be characterized by these sins. That's what he's teaching. He's teaching that this is what the child of darkness produces. He produces works. Children work. They do something. Now, can you expect a child of darkness to produce works of light? The answer is no, that won't happen. The children of darkness produce works of darkness, and these are the works that they produce. And this is the works that they produce in everything that they do. It's just not simply the silly talk and the sexual innuendo and the jokes and the references and the filthy talk that goes on in the bars by the single people that are cruising around for women, but it goes on in the home. It goes on at the job. It goes on in the workplace. This is what their works are. This is what you may expect of their works. When they write, you may expect that this is what they will write. When they produce a movie, this is what you can expect that movie to contain. When they produce a work of art, it will promote this in one way or another. And if it doesn't do that, then the apostle also teaches that you can expect them to promote what they are doing as good. That's an amazing thing too. The apostle begins that way really. Let no man deceive you with vain words. Now why does he bring that up? What's he talking about there? What he's talking about is the vain and empty words that defend the works of the ungodly. That really promote the works of darkness as works of light. You see, it's, it's not simply that the children of darkness produce works of darkness, but they present them as light. They present them as that which is the epitome of the understanding and works of men. Why, look how good they are. Look how wonderful they are. Look how, how they are for your benefit and how they are for your good. And this even goes on in the church. It's not just simply the children of darkness do that, but those who present themselves as children of light. Now wrap it all up. What's he mean when he says then not to have fellowship with them? He does not mean simply don't do them. That again is almost assumed. The apostle, just like he would assume, the children of light aren't going to be walking around making friends and having fellowship with the children of darkness, so he's going to assume that we are not wallowing in the filth of immorality, that we are actively stealing from our neighbor, that we are joining in actively and consciously the filthy talk and the jesting so that it's coming out of our mouths and we're doing it with our hands. Now certainly that's included, don't get me wrong. But that's not simply what he means, nor do I believe it's his main object. He's going to assume that. He's after something more subtle, more deadly, more important. And where the antithesis always begins to fall apart if we don't take heed. What he means is, don't consider them good in any way. Don't be favorably inclined toward them as something beneficial. That's what he means with don't be deceived by vain words. He's talking about the individual, perhaps the preacher. Of course, a false preacher who would stand before his congregation and say, you know, I know they're ungodly and they're wicked people, but there's a lot of good. You really have to see this movie. It's, it's, it's pretty good. There's a lot of good in it. Yeah, but the main character is swearing throughout. Yeah, but there's a lot of good in it. In other words, the vain words that are always trying to promote this as good. 
as well as the works themselves. They're self-promoting. So what does he mean by have no fellowship with them? He means do not look upon them as beneficial, favorably. But see them for what they are, dark, vanity. And what he's talking about is everything that goes by the name culture today. Be aware of that. No, your preacher is not against art. He's not against literature. Not against DVDs and TV programs or any of those things. As such. But you had better be aware that they are produced by the works of darkness and in one way or another they're going to promote darkness. And walking as children of darkness and even walking with fellowship with them always begins in the same place. Why? Look at all the good they're doing. Look how exciting is this novel. Look how it grips me. Look at that program and and look how it occupies my children or my teenager. You know, he could be getting into trouble, but it's a whole lot better that he sits in his room and, and shoots up bad guys with a virtual gun. Really? Really? Is that how you look at things? Is that how you evaluate them? Or do you start with a default position that everything the world produces is darkness and have no fellowship with it? That's much more dangerous, you see. This is what the Apostle is getting at at Romans 1, verse 32, where he talks about the ungodly and the wicked. And he talks about not simply those who engage in utter wickedness, but those who take pleasure in them that do that. Oh, they might not themselves commit fornication, but they do find it entertaining to watch. They do find it pleasurable to laugh at in a TV program. We must remember, beloved, that not only are they darkness, but they're unfruitful. You see, our problem is we don't know what's fruitful. When we evaluate things and we want to know whether they're fruitful, we are purely selfish. So often when it comes to that, does it please me? Does it give me an advantage? Does it give me something to do? And that's not how you define fruit. Fruit is defined according to the Spirit. Fruit is that which is beneficial, that which is useful, that which is wonderful to the taste, that which is the fruit of the Spirit in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. You see, because if it's not fruitful, then it's vain. It's empty. It's worthless. It will burn up with the rest of the world. It will be cast into utter darkness with the rest of the world. Implied, you see, is that if one is not to have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, one ought to have fellowship with the fruits of the Spirit. You see, there's the real issue. When we have fellowship with the unfruitful works of the darkness, we look at them and we consider them valuable, beneficial. We consider them light of some kind, something that brings us something. But to do that, antithetically now, you have to consider the fruits of the Spirit the exact opposite. And I can guarantee you and I can tell you for a fact that if one and when one considers the fruits of the Spirit... In other words, one has fellowship with the fruits of the Spirit, considers them beneficial, those things to be good, then they will be having fellowship with them. And if one is having fellowship with the truth, if one is having fellowship with the goodness of God, if one is having fellowship with the righteousness of God and His truth, one cannot and will not have fellowship with the unfruitful works of the truth. It's impossible. That's like light and darkness coexisting and being in the same place at the same time. It doesn't happen. It can't happen. 
We're also to walk as children of light by our speech. That too is something that's brought out here and clearly taught when we're told not only to have no fellowship, not only in body but in our mind and in our heart with the unfruitful darks, works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Reprove them. That is to say something about them. And again, I point out that's certainly not what's going on in much of the church world today. Who reproves the unfruitful works of darkness? You read church magazines today and they're promoting the unfruitful works of darkness. They're calling even the most vile unfruitful works of darkness an alternative lifestyle, just like the world does. They're joining the world with telling the church that this is true love. This is what it means to love your neighbor. And you will notice in every single instance, that's not defined by the light of the Word of God. It's not defined according to the truth and righteousness of God or the goodness of God, but it's defined by the world, by the darkness. They get to say what is good and what is evil. And of course, when they do that, guess who's evil? You are. Guess whose darkness? You are. And the next step, of course, is to snuff you out. You see, the antithesis is a battle. It requires action. It requires soldiers. It requires especially battle in the form of speech, because that's what reproof is. Reproof is to say, that's wicked. That's wicked. Reproof is when you're watching a television program and someone utters a swear word, you say, that's wicked, and you turn it off. Reproof is when you actively say, these works, these activities are darkness. They're evil. They're against God. They're against His truth. They're against His righteousness. They're against His goodness. They're offensive to God. This is part of what the Scriptures mean when they say, come out from among them and be ye separate. This is the life of the antithesis. The life of the antithesis isn't simply saying, well, I'm a Christian and I'm not being friends with these people over here. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to walk with them and, and live like they live. But it's to reprove. You see, that's how real Christians are made too, by the way. Our Christians called into the church. What's the real witness of Christians? It's their reproof. Isn't it that way with us? How does repentance begin? Where does it start? Does it start with you? Does it start with God coming to you and saying, Oh, you're such a nice person? No. It's God coming to us and saying, That's sin. That's evil. That's wicked. And we object and we give God vain words and say, well, I'm trying hard. And there's this and there's that that's good about it. Why, look at all the good that I do. God says, no, that's sin. It's condemned. It's darkness. And God uses that in His children to turn us from our sin. So reprove the words, unfruitful works of darkness. Well, how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, we take the light of God's Word, the light of God's goodness, we take the light of God's truth, and we shine it. We shine it in all the dark crannies and nooks, in all the houses. We shine it on the culture. We shine it on the works of art. We shine it on the literature. We shine it on the movies and the TV programs. We shine it on the games. And it will tell you what's darkness. And if you have a hard time telling what's darkness, ask yourself what's beneficial, what's real fruit, what's really valuable, what will endure, and that's darkness. We're called to do that as a church. We're called to do that off this pulpit. We're called to do that in our evangelism. We're called to do that in our life. I wonder if sometimes why it is there are so few new converts in the church is because there is so little light in our life. Because we are the fools 
who are children of light, and then we take a bushel basket and we cover it up. We cover our mouth. We chuckle along. And we're a far, far cry from saying, turn that off. Don't watch that filth. That will not be going on in my home. You see, one of the great, great devices and tricks of Satan, beloved, has been to build all kinds of pipelines into your home. The devil knows the antithesis. He knows the antithesis between good and evil, between heaven and hell, between darkness and light. He knows it better than you do. And he knows what a home is. He knows what a refuge it is. He knows what we are and what the church is. So he has to find avenues to make our homes dark, to snuff out the light. And he makes great big pipelines to pump sewage into our home if we turn the spigot on. I hope you recognize that. I hope you recognize the darkness and the advertising and in the entertainment of this world and what's at stake. Just remember, darkness and light cannot coexist. And anyone that thinks they can, simply look at the parable in nature. Where there's light, darkness also flees. It goes away. That's what reproof does. Why is it that we as churches are plagued with certain sins? Why we find drunkenness? Why we find drugs and alcohol? Why we find adultery and fornication in the church? Why is that? Oh, I know the easy answer is because we're all depraved and we're sinners. I'm afraid the answer is because we don't walk as children of light. And I fear the answer behind that may be that we're not even children of light. Maybe we've been children of darkness. I don't know. You know your heart. You know what you find pleasing and entertaining. You know what you consider to be works of darkness and works of light. And the Apostle is teaching you tonight what it really is. Again, Reprove the unfruitful works of darkness that implies that you approve the fruits of the Spirit. You approve what God approves. You find delightful what God finds delightful. You find the will of God found in His law to be that which moves you, which says, that's what I want to be. That's what I want to promote. That's what I long for. That kind of light. Lastly, walking as a child of light is to the glory of God. There's an important motivation in the text that's giving here. When he says that the purpose of walking as children of light, the purpose of reproving the unfruitful works of darkness and having no fellowship with them has to do with proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. That's not only a reference to what we should approve, that we approve only the things that God approves of, but it refers to the ultimate purpose of not fellowshipping with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reproving them. The purpose is to demonstrate before all the world what we approve of and what we disapprove of. You see, the common wisdom in the church is if you want converts, if you want people to come to church, if you want people to find Jesus Christ then you need to be like them. You act like them. You laugh at their jokes. Oh, you, you can be a little different in a few things, but you essentially are, are just like them, and, and, and then you'll have a common ground, and, and they'll come along. And No, it doesn't happen. It doesn't work. Because what you're doing is approving that which is evil. And what you're saying by your action and behavior is, really, I have no interest in God's Word. I have no interest in God's goodness. I like the idea of being saved and going to heaven. Why that appeals to me, I really don't like the idea of hell. I don't like that. But what gets me, what, what, what makes me motivated, what, what really uh, entertains me is, is all these other things. And the Apostle says, no, 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 no. The motive for walking as children of light the purpose, in other words, 
is to show before all the world what we approve of. And we approve of these things because we're children of light. We approve that which is light. We delight in that which is light. And this is the only way to show it. This is the only way to manifest it in all the world. And it's these kinds of things that gives the world pause and say, what? You mean you would rather, you would rather go to church twice on Sunday than go to a football game? You, you, you mean you would rather go to Bible study than watch this movie? You mean you would rather read the Word of God than this best-selling novel? Yes, is what your behavior says. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. You see, beloved, that's what should always move us and motivate us. Not what you find acceptable. Not what you delight in. What you consider all by yourself as an individual, as a child of Adam. But it's the will of God. Those from God those born of God, those with the light of God in them, will find the light delightful. That which they desire, that which they promote, that which they want. And that you see is to the glory of God. This adds to His glory. It promotes His glory. It says, among all the filth and all the darkness and all the imaginations of men promoting what they think is light, there is God who is light. And the only light is that which is God and comes from God. And it's only in that light that one is blessed. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father which art in heaven, O Lord, we thank Thee for the light within us, that we are children of light. We confess our sin, walking often as children of darkness, that we stray and we sin. Forgive us, Lord. Give us the strength and power to walk as what we are, walk as children of light, and to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And do so also for the glory and honor of thy name. Amen.